we can we can see the negatives and and th- there's a lot of times and and I'm guilty of this too of saying the church hasn't prepared us for this the the, the church doesn't teach us sound doctrine or the church doesn't teach us uh uh, confessionalism uh, enough. The church doesn't teach us church history so that I know where we came from. And not everything started after 1952 uh, with the 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 uh, the um, microphone being taken up by Billy Graham. That, that there is something that happened beforehand that led him to, to that microphone. And no, it wasn't just Alexander Graham Bell and being Nikolai Tesla, but that's a that's a different history thread. What are we doing good? What are we doing great and what can we keep keep that on and then what what should we just stop what or what what, what's something so negative that that there's something me i in the pew not the church not not the the capital c church not my church lowercase c what what can what can i do good and what can i do bad and stop that um where's my my sanctification i I need you to sanctify me here um well, I mean, what we can do, I think there's there's a host of things that I think about. Um, but I would say the first thing is, how about let's start praying? I think there's there's been a huge dearth that like you ask any Christian about their prayer life, and and nine times out of ten they all say like, you know, like if you ask, uh, I've I've I have never asked a person, hey, how's your prayer life, and heard them say, oh, pretty good. You know, most people. Like, and so that tells me that we don't actually believe that there, God. There's a whole shelf for prayer books on, on this yeah. one. Yeah. I'm always trying to read a prayer book at what at, at, all the time. I like all my stack of books. I always have at least one prayer book because I want, uh, I want to be reminding myself how important that is. And I think God chooses to work in response to prayer. I like to say it that way, that, that God chooses to, res- to work in response to prayer. And so if we're not praying, if we're not begging God to move in our country, in our state, which I, you know, I'm, I'm much more interested in my state. I'm becoming more localist in that way. Um, <laughs> and in our local church, if we don't see God working in our, if we're not begging God to work in our local church and our local community, um, well, are we, why, why should we expect him to do so? And I, and I think the big thing is, is prayer. Um, you know, there was this, there was this book. I never read it, but I read the back cover of it. And I thought the concept was interesting of like <laughs> concentric circles, praying circles. And I think it's probably some weird new agey thing, but that image kind of stuck with me of being like, start with your, start with your concentric circles of like praying the Lord's prayer over yourself. You know, first praying that over myself, praying that God's name would be hallowed in my heart. That that I that that your that the glory of God would be my desire, and my love, that His kingdom would grow in me first, that His will would be done in me, that I would want to do His will, and then move to the next circle, which is my marriage. And you know, is my marriage successful? Well, how how have I been praying over my wife and over my marriage? And how about my children? Am I praying daily over my children? And then working out to your church, praying for your leadership, not just your paid pastors, but your your uh, your elders and deacons who are over your church, um, the people who keep watch over your soul, and then pray for your church as a whole, the community, the people, 
Um, I think that's huge. And then working out to your city to be like, God, move mightily. And I think we we also pray way too small about that. Like, God, can you maybe bring a few people to faith in our city? Like, how often do we pray, God, give us this city? And like, give us this city. Not like us as in our little kingdom, but your kingdom. We want to see this city become a become a new Jerusalem, become a become a Christian city, whatever your definition of that is, whether it's with all that stuff, but, but that God would move in this city and in this, and in my state and in my country and in my world, like to be praying those things over our areas, the areas closest to us and then working our way out. Um, the second thing I think we need to do is I think we need to, and this is where I would say, uh, I'll say one thing you can, you need to stop doing. And I'll put it, it's actually a positive, but I'm, I'll, put, I'll follow your, your, your system and do it as a negative. <laughs> we need to stop expecting that someone else is going to raise our kids. We need to stop expecting that someone else is going to raise our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not, I'm sorry, it's not your Sunday school teacher's job to teach your kids about the Bible. They get one day a week. That's even less than if your kid goes to a public school. And even there, like, even if you get, send your kids to a, a great Christian school that's a classical education model because those are the best ones, then uh, even if you're doing that, I'm sorry, I the people your, your audience doesn't know me. I do this. I joke. I joke in hyperbole about how my ideas are all the best ideas. I don't actually look down at anyone who, who does otherwise. That's that's part of my shtick. Um, but but like. Even if you have the best school, the best Christian school in the world, it's not going to work unless it's being reinforced at home. And so I think things like catechisms are so important for catechizing your children, by which I mean actual catechisms. And there's a, the New City Catechisms, a really simple introduction. Um, they also, uh, Founders uh, Ministry, which is a bat reformed ish, reformed, yeah, I was a reformed Baptist. Uh, wing of the Southern Baptist Church, they have a really good catechism for children. Um, and, and just get those and start teaching them catechisms and then start and, and read the Bible with them regularly. The older they get, the more intense your biblical training should get with them. And then the, the pushback always is like, well, I don't really know. And I know that they're experts. And I'm like, man, I taught, I want to say this. I taught my youth group apologetics last year. I am an idiot <laughs> when it comes to apologetics, <laughs> but I learned so much by doing that. Sometimes teaching is the best way to learn. You're going to, while you're catechizing your children and you're trying to stay like two questions ahead of them, you're going to find that your own knowledge is going to be growing and, and, and your, your, your study of the Bible is going to get deeper and you're going to find that you're going to get deeper in teaching them. And so don't be afraid of being not an expert. That's why you have pastors to ask them questions. Um, but, but don't expect someone else, even your pastor, even your youth pastor, as a youth pastor, I'm going to tell you the biggest frustration I have is parents who expect me to be teaching their kids. Like, no, no, I get them one, maybe two days a week. You get them every day. You need to be doing the teaching. You need to be raising them in the faith. And the only ones, and honestly, the ones that I have the most success with are the ones who are getting reinforcement at home. And so they're they're desiring to hear more of the words. So they're ready when I start teaching them. But it started with their home, not with me. 
And so I think that's a big thing is like, if the next generation is going to be it, if the next generation is the future church, then we need to stop expecting someone else to raise it up. I, I think, I think that's very Americanized of us is, is, you know, we, we have this assembly line process where it's like, Oh, it's the pastor's job. We pay him. I'm going to bring my unbelieving friend to church. And that that's how they're going to get saved through osmosis of great teaching. I'm, I'm, you know, it, it looks like he didn't get it. So I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, uh, go to the welcome line. Hi, Pastor. How's it going? This is my friend Josh. Josh is an unbeliever. All right, see you later, Pastor. Yeah, good uh, luck. You're, you're 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 with Josh. Yeah. absolutely not. I, yeah, you know it's the 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 desire for us to to laud the early church uh, is should should always be taken uh, with a grain of salt uh, because they weren't perfect, but they had to. Uh, get converts through the gumption of going out to people who might yeah. turn them in to get killed and tell them, "Have you heard about yeah. Jesus? Yeah, he, he he's he's actually Lord, not 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 Caesar." And so, absolutely. And so I, it's it's not the it's not the pastor's yeah. job. It's not the the youth pastor's job to to train children. It's not your teacher's job yeah. if you go to government schools. Or even you know, to a private school. Or even to a private school. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it's it's one of those where what I, I, I tell my children, I, I, my, my goal is to instill in my children the ability to fail. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, it's, it's a hard concept, yeah. uh, especially for parents that have expectations of, uh, of, of, of educational excellence. For, for for a good for good not 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 oh we're going to do this because china's doing this and we want to compete with them so I, I want my children to be well-rounded i want them well-rounded to fail and so if i will allow them to say i don't know well yeah i mean that's why we're at school is is to to go and learn if 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 you didn't if you didn't know your fives times table then we would just move on because you you already knew it and so when we get our children asking us, can, can you really explain to us what the Trinity is? And you go, let dad have a week to, to read a book. I mean, what are our, what are our kids going to do? Are they going to, are going to, they're going to take to Twitter and, and lambaste us for being a terrible father. I mean, maybe that they're, they're, they're pretty tech savvy, but they shouldn't have phones at whatever age that they're going to uh, ask you about the Trinity, but we should have the, humiliation uh you know in in the, in the proper form yeah. to say i don't know let me look into that yeah. from from that perspective yeah. and and also say I, I can kind of explain this but it, it is a hard concept or um you know i've 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 never went through the western mis, uh, confessions let's let's find a song and, and sing them and yeah what i did when when i did that was all right we're going to take uh, we're, we're going to take the, the first day of the week and we're just going to listen. And then the second day we're, I'm going to talk about it and, and I'm just going to lay it all out there for, for you to ask questions about and do a Q and a, and hopefully you ask all the questions that I know only the answers to. And if you have young enough children, they're not that smart to be able to ask you the really hard questions. They only ask you the hard questions when it's nine 35 at night and yep. you're really tired and they're in bed. That's the only time they ever become stoic philosophers 
and you think maybe I'm going to lose them to the devil if I don't answer this question on the yeah. fully God and fully man uh, avenues of, of, of Jesus yeah. here. So, I, so I, I think, yeah. you know, this whole, we live in such a trust the experts culture right. is, is very much. And I, right. I think it's, it's easy, especially to mock that. Hopefully that's a, over having a couple of years of experience of where trusting the experts didn't turn out well for us. Um, but I think it will get, we were both Austrians here, right? Um, I may we, have mentioned praxeology a couple times, a couple times. Yeah. In the past the last, couple of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, it's division of labor is good. Like there are people who are better suited to, to spend their time studying certain things and to focusing on certain things. Division of labor is good. Um, it becomes a problem when we start to think uh, in, in terms of trust the experts. Like, like you said, um, here's my unbelieving friend, get him pastor. I, this is why actually one of the first thing conversations I had with my youth group about evangelism was if you expect me to grow this youth ministry by evangelism, it won't happen. Cause I said, I am a weird adult with a beard. Random high schoolers are not going to want me to come up to them and talk to them. And if you just hand them off to me and say, you talk to them, they're never going to answer my calls or my texts. Like the only reason you guys are willing to talk to me is because there's an established relationship that was established in the church. This is a thing that people don't like to talk about with youth, with youth ministry, but youth pastors are the worst at evangelizing children. Like this, this is just an, un, it's an irrational expectation, but I think there's also a sense in which pastors should not be evangelizing as much as the rest of the church are. There's this expectation that they should be that I don't think is rational because, Hey, here's the deal. Most of my friends, most of the people I talk to are Christians. Where do you meet people? Uh, you meet people at work. I work with Christians. You meet people at uh, community events. My community events are all Christian community events. You meet them with hobbies. All my hobbies are studying the Bible. So there's like, I don't, I don't meet non-Christians. When I do, I am expected to represent Jesus well and to seek to pray for them and to reach them with the gospel. And I do have neighbors, but like, I am not going to come in contact with as many unbelievers as you are, as, as you, the person. And I, and I was saying this to my youth group, but I think it's pastors need to start having frank conversations with their churches and say with you. I don't talk to as many unbelievers as you do. And so you are actually far more suited to sharing the gospel with unbelievers than I am. So instead of waiting for me to do it, let's have conversations about how you can do it. And let's start really small. Like one of the things our, our church is doing right now is we're talking about, it's called uh, personal risks. We're saying we, we want everyone to, I think everyone in the church is an average of like, I think they say, I think it's like, Five, like I don't know, like it's a small area. I forget what the number is, but it's like we're we're trying to do in five years so many thousand personal risks in our congregation, and like people are like, okay, so what's a personal risk? A personal risk is telling a person that you're a Christian. A personal risk is inviting a person to church. A personal risk is reading your Bible at work so that people see you. You know, you know, I've got a, I know someone who works front desk at a, at a YMCA and she just reads the Bible and talks. And when people are like, oh, what are you reading? Well, she tells them about it. Like that's a personal risk. And like starting small and being like, it doesn't mean you have to go out and become Billy Graham. It means you just have to be ready to represent Jesus, to be an ambassador for Christ everywhere you go. And that's how the church is going to grow. 
And I think the same thing applies to um, your family. Like it's fine having youth people who have expertise in youth ministry or having expertise in children's ministry or having expertise in catechisms, like people who write books on catechisms, who write books on Trinity and deep theology. It's good. That's fine. Like, like that division of labor is good, but that does not let you off the hook for raising your own children. And, and the truth is the stats are in and the most important thing in the life of a, of a, of a child being raised in the faith is the active participation of their parents and especially their father because reality is sexist <laughs> in their life reality is sexist is just we got to deal with it the active participation of their father in their life and especially their spiritual growth is a, a, a huge factor in their faith journey and in coming to and staying in uh the church and and so trust the experts uh is not an excuse for not doing being a christian you know and and doing the work over where over the area that you're given. Well, speaking of children, what's up with kids? Are are, are they uh -huh. are they all uh, wild promiscuous uh, uh, teenagers who are having uh, children out of wedlock because uh, marriage doesn't matter anymore? Are they all uh, alpha males who are uh, uh, watching the latest uh, uh, Eastern European guy who converted to Islam? Uh, are, are they all uh, demi uh, furries who are going to anime conventions because uh, Western art is dead, or or are they are they normal? What what what's up with those kids? Well, I think see I okay so there's there's kind of two ways that people want me to talk about this. I find everyone either wants me to be a black pilled pessimist and be like <laughs> the world's getting worse, everything sucks, give up, it's all going to hell. Or they want me to say, hey, no, it's the same problems we've always had. No, it's pretty bad. It's it's pretty bad out there. Like, I, I think it's okay for us to do that. Like, I think some pastors try to overgo the other way and say, like, no, this is just nothing's new under the sun. This is kind of new for us. I don't think it's new for the world. Uh, I would point back to the fall of Rome, which is part of the reason why I'm like, yeah, I don't think the U.S. is going to last much longer. Um, but but it's pretty bad. Like, like we can we can say that. We can step out and say that. Um, but I would also say that like among the students who are reached, my my youth group, I am very pleased with the students who are in my youth ministry. And is that because I'm awesome? No. Is that because I just happen to get lucky? No, no. It's because when you don't soft pedal them, when you give them the full octane word of God, they latch onto it and they love it. You give them a mission. Like that's, I think that's the thing that like, wh why is Andrew Tate so popular? Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have said his name, uh, but you shall not be. Our, our algorithm is going to go up actually. <laughs> actually yeah. Well, uh, why, <laughs> what Andrew, you're going to title this, what Andrew Tate can tell us about uh, Christianity. <laughs> the the reason he's so popular, he, he gives us, he, is he, I think there is, especially among young men, a desire for mission, a desire to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. This is why men love sports. This is why men love uh, movements. You know, this is, th there's a desire Braveheart. to. That's why we like Braveheart. Yeah. To feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself. And if we can 
show them how that Christianity is that. Um, they get excited about that. Um, I I think give your student a mission. Give your children a, a mission. Give them a vision of a better world and say that this is attainable. You know, Christ is still uh is still the one who with a sword in his mouth is marching and conquering this world. Um, he is still the one who had all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. He is still the one who is with us everywhere to the end of the world, uh, to the end of the age. He is still that same conqueror, the one who's filling all in all through his church. Like that is huge. And there is something massive and something great about that. And, and you give them that mission and you say, and he has equipped you specially somehow to do that because that's really what the lgbtq movement is doing is making them feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves um unfortunately because the devil subverts and destroys he's doing that by androgynous means and by destroying the the masculinity in men and the femininity in women and by killing that making them feel part of something bigger but what Andrew Tate is showing is, yeah, for one thing, men want and, and uh, oh, my gosh, I'm blanked on his name. The other guy, 12 Rules for Living. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. What they're all telling men is that it is good for you to be a man. What are they hearing in the church? The opposite of that, that that if you really want to be spiritual, you need to look a little feminine. This, this is a, the second corollary of what I was saying earlier about the way we're, we're telling pastors to preach. Preach very like this. And very heartfelt, like you're a woman. And 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 that's how we we explain spirituality. The spirituality is something very feminine. Give men permission to be masculine and 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 to do it for the glory of God and say, but but your masculinity is not some bravado, not some disgusting thing. Like honestly, entertain, like honestly, I think man is disgusting. Um horribly immoral and 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 un but but what he's tapping into is a real thing that we need to learn from is that we have the better answer we know the god who made men and said it is very good he said it is very good for you to be men and i think also you're going to see a, you're seeing a similar thing with women with the trad wife movement which is resulting i think in in some kind of terrible ways of like I, i'm seeing this trend of like women playing house with their boyfriends and bringing them sandwiches while they're playing video games and being like come on if if he's not leading you in the gospel now he's not going to do it when you, he puts a ring on your finger and also why would he put a ring on your finger when you're giving him all the per, all the perks of being a wife without ever actually expecting him to make you his wife but there's but there's i think there too is we can tap into this desire of like you know what they want to they want to be embrace their femininity and, and we have the gospel we have the word of god which says that God created the masculine ones and the feminine ones. That's, that's what I, the Hebrew there. It's not the regular word for men and women. It is the masculine ones and the feminine ones. So he made us in our masculinity and our femininity, and he made that very good um, in all that aspects. And that's why I, I will never stop encouraging. I don't have the book close to me, but I'll never stop encouraging the book. Um, it's good to be a man by Michael Foster and uh, Dominic Tennant. Uh, Tennant? I tenant 
never mind. You'll find it. Um, it's good to be a man. I will never stop encouraging that book because it is not some false bravado, masculine swagger book. It is very serious. And that's what it's very serious about is getting back to the heart of what it means to be a man for the glory of God. And I think when you present that to youth, uh, they, they, they catch that vision. Like my students, um, because I so heavily emphasized training in evangelism, training in discipleship of others, I focus hard on that. I've got students who weekly are coming up to me and being like, hey, I had this conversation with an unbeliever and they asked me this question. Why should I answer them? Hey, I was talking to someone and they were uh, they, they asked me this question about the Bible. What would you say to them? Hey, uh, I'm trying to start a conversation with this friend. What do you think I should do? Uh, and, and, and hey, I had this conversation and they're thinking about the gospel. Can you pray for me? And it's all because I gave them a mission. Instead of treating the youth like a problem that needs to be solved. This is like, oh, churches, you got to hear this. Instead of treating the youth like a problem that needs to be solved, treat them as people who are looking for a mission. Give them a mission. Give them the mission and watch them go. Because like we had we had VBS um, in our church two months ago and we had like three adults, four I think four adults involved. All the rest were youth. Yeah, All the same. rest were high schoolers leading. Same. Yeah, high and, schoolers. I could not imagine being with kids as, as a high schooler. I was way too cool for school. And I was nowhere near close to even remotely spelling cool with a K, let alone <laughs> being cool. So yeah, I, this yeah, it, it was really neat to see like 130 people of uh, volunteers yeah. for, for my church and like 70% of them were, were high school youth. And here's such a cool story. And I, I haven't talked to the student yet because I just heard about it literally this week. There's a kid, there's a student involved in our youth ministry. I try not to say kids. Um, that's a whole other thing. Um, there's a student in our youth ministry who came up because one of our other students in the youth ministry shared the gospel with him when he was in, um, in, in our, at VBS and he, uh, we were driving home and he said, yeah, I thought about like, if I were to have kids, I would probably name one. And he said this, this kid's name, like, Oh, oh after the, the book of the Bible, yeah, them. And also the student, I'm like, that is so cool. Wow. And this kid is a, is kind of a loser. Like this, this kid I'm talking about, he's like, he's not one of those kids that like, it's cool to hang out with, but like, those are the people who Christ went after. And, and, so that you give them the mission and you watch them go. And he, he is there. They're just so serious about pursuing the next, pursuing young people, younger than them with the gospel. So we don't have to, I don't have to, I, I didn't even tell them to sign up for a sports camp this year. They just did it. And they, they just did it. That's what we do for BBS, but <laughs> they just did it. And, and it was amazing. And watching them get excited about like coming up to me and be like, I just had a conversation about the gospel with, a, with one of the kids in our group and and just give them a mission stop treating them like a problem that needs to be solved and and give them space to run and give them a mission and also stop playing stupid games with them right no like licking peanut butter underneath armpits ah, be serious they they know this is more serious than that they know that this is flippant nonsense and that, that it's waste a waste of time so give them the real stuff and give them a mission you know i think this is where apologists can come in and partner with oh yeah pastors you know the, the, uh, the, this is uh you know the, the pastor was talking about uh you know the 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 early church in corinth had no more than 100 100 people uh because that's the largest building we found well hey 
I, I happen to know uh, an, a person who's into apologetics of, of first century Holy Land stuff. Let's go talk to him and figure out what the Church of Corinth looked like. Well, let me tell you what the Church of Corinth looked like. Do you want to see orgies around every bend and they're stuck in the middle of all of it because they came from that and, yeah. and now they have to evangelize to it? Let, let's talk about the Church of Corinth. Yeah. And it's also where presuppositionalism can come yeah. in and be like, by what standard is yeah. man? By what standard is woman? Yeah. And, and and that's just that's just anthropology of yeah. of of doctrine of of God that your pastor is teaching. Yeah. Your pastor is teaching in a slightly different way. But this is you, church people, not office of apologists, because there's none. This mm -hmm. is this is you having an interest in that, in yeah. rearing children. By what standard yeah. do we rear children? Yeah. By um, um, uh, uh, ministering to the the dying. Mm -hmm. uh, what, by what standard do you die well? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And so, the, 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 this is this is the the absolute area where the church builds the church, and it's not mm -hmm. it's not this uh, dissection of oh this is your your area this is your job, uh, you know some of the the hardest uh gospel presentations i heard was the leader of the tech ministry giving it right before uh a, a simple little bible study before uh a, a christmas service I, whoa that that was that was good if i wouldn't say, I, I think i got doubly saved from from that <laughs> you know? but right. but it, it it's it's amazing to see uh the church when it operates as parts of the body but yes. still the body but then also understanding that it's it you're right it, it's okay to have these roles there there are offices there are mm. leaders there is distinction things yeah uh, because it's it, it must be done in orderly fashion yeah but it's not to say that you can't have uh you know it, it, there, there's nothing that precludes a woman from knowing pastorship really well from a from a biblical standpoint she just can't hold the office mm -hmm. perfectly fine Mm -hmm. done in order and also it, it motivates men <laughs> like honestly i i really think it's the 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 god telling man to 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 not be lazy is is where is where that comes from and yeah. uh egalitarianism tends to go all right men you you can be lazy now okay yeah. thank you oh, good yeah. my, my my wife's co-pastoring with me now she can do all all, all the uh all the um star wars uh yeah sagas yeah. I'll say the thing, like I, I, um, middle schoolers and high schoolers, I don't know if y'all know this, but they like arguing. And so, man, like, that's why I, I when I, I did an apologetic series with my youth group, they stinking loved it. Cause that's like, that, like, um, uh, cat out of the bag. Actually, I asked Patrick to help me, uh, to teach them. And actually, we did, uh, we did, videos like these um for for uh the whole year where basically he would introduce the concept then the rest of the month i would kind of unpack that concept um and uh man they they, they we did we did greg kogel's tactics because it's just a phenomenal starting point for apologetics um and and they're they still to this day they'll always like you know we'll say something and some student will look at me and be like what do you mean by that <laughs> 
and then inevitably someone else will be like, how'd you come to that conclusion? And and they love it. And they're they're using it on their well, here's the funny thing. They're using it on their teachers too. <laughs> like the teachers will say things that are a little bit not Christian, and they're like, okay, what do you mean by that? How'd you come to that conclusion? <laughs> and they're they're using this and like all, all their friends in the youth group are in the back of the room going, because <clears throat> they know what they're doing. And but like they they love doing that. It's fun for them. Um, it's it's not just uh, it, and, and why not take advantage of that by teaching them how to do it well? Like, okay, you love you love arguing. And I do that in my way of being like, okay, you don't want to just accept what I say. Great. Let's study the scriptures together and figure out what it says. Don't just take my word for it. Like encourage them instead of, instead of like being afraid of the, of the questions, be like, encourage them to do the Berean work of like, all right, let's look it up. But if I'm right, like if I'm right, then that's what the word says. We got to say that by what standard, by the words standard, by God's standard. And, and, um, you let them let them argue. I think that's the problem that sometimes uh, um, I th- I'm talking to parents of 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 kids in my youth ministry. They're like, my kids like, how do I how do I tell them they they're arguing with me? Yes, because that's the stage they're in. They want to <laughs> argue with you. Let them argue, but teach them how to argue right, and teach them how to argue while being respectful. Say like, hey, I appreciate your questions. Can you ask it in a different way? Like. We we don't have to like don't I think it's a mistake to teach your te- treat your high schooler like a elementary kid like you they're they're different phases you need to work with that um, and I think apologetics is a huge hugely beneficial like take yeah buy tactics by Greg Kokel and and read it and hey can I recommend a good podcast that went through it <laughs> at one time who who uh, helped me to understand it really well you can um, I think you guys have a in a playlist right. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and you can find it on the website, cave to the cross, uh, dot com, right? Correct. And uh, you can ha- have them guide you through the book, and then you can you can do it with your kid. Do it with your your, your uh, high school or middle school student. Be like, all right, we're going to read this, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to practice it. We're going to argue with each other. We're going to ask by what standard. We're going to look at arguments that unbelievers bring and say, okay, how is this committing formal suicide or how is this committing infanticide or, you know, all those, all those uh, terms that it, that he has, which are kind of fun. Like this, I, we, I had a lot of fun going through that book with, with some of my students. Like they had a lot of fun just picking apart arguments. Um, and yeah, it, it's a great way to, and, and, and it's, and it's a way that you're going to learn and you don't have to be an expert to do it because again, other people have done it. You just have to use the resources that are available to you. You don't have to come up with your own apologetics course. You can use cave to the cross leading you through tactics and that's going to be great. I plan on doing that when my kids are older. Yeah, definitely. Uh, five, five screens on each with different accounts, uh, each, uh, liking, <laughs> commenting, subscribing. I mean, Right. It'll probably be on Rumble by by that time, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, we, we've we've talked a little bit about it, but what's what about something more formal? You know, I think I think some of us came from, you know, every Friday uh, we couldn't go out with friends, and uh, we, we definitely couldn't go over to friends who had family devotions because that was family time. And sometimes it was just playing the the uh, monopoly because uh, there were no other uh, like settlers of Catan hadn't been invented yet, and so uh, we, we didn't understand what board games could be. Um, but you know, am I am I expected to uh, be a terrible singer but lead him singing 
um, you know, do, do I do I sit down with with my three year old and and read table talk and and uh, really dig into the word? What what am I supposed to do? It, it is it, first of all, am I supposed to do family devotional? Can't can't I just you know, hey, don't hit your kid because or don't hit your brother because uh, Jesus says love our enemies. So there, I've done family devotional. That, that that's all I need to do, right? Like I don't need anything formal. I don't need the, I definitely don't need to sing. It says make a joyful don't noise. It doesn't say I have to be in tune. So I'm, I'm good, good with not sitting there. But what am I supposed to do at, at home to, to, to be a good leader? Cause I, ultimately, you know, tongue in cheek aside, I, I want to be a, a good leader or I want to be led well. If, if, uh, if, if there are any women in the audience <laughs> or uh, you're uh, a young adult who wants to be led uh, in, in, in a family to have these conversations where you can, uh, open up, a uh, a, a, a devotional, get through three lines, but have a half hour conversation on things that took you down the conversation route. E- even with a seven and five-year-old, uh, a couple days ago for, for, with a table talk, we, we, I, I was like three lines left. It's always three lines left and we're having great discussion. I'm like, the, the completionist in me wants to read those three lines and, and move on. But my goodness, I'm not going to stop my kids from talking about, you know, yeah. uh, Jesus perfecting our salvation. Mm-hmm. So, so what can I do? How, how can I lead well or be led well in whatever capacity that the audience is in? Yeah, I think um, here's an analogy. Every once in a while, I get the stupid impulse to start running again. Um, I was a runner in high school. Uh, that's what I did. And I, I do enjoy it. I like, I love it when I'm into, when I get in the habit, but every time what I'll try and do is I will go out and do a four mile run first day. And it's a stupid idea. It's so stupid because I'm a lot fatter today than I was back then. And it's been a long time since I was that skinny and, and, and like, and then what ends up happening is after I run my four miles and I feel terrible, I will not run again for the next year. So I, I think sometimes like when we talk about family devotions or family worship, um, the temptation is always to do too much. I I'll say this, first of all, I think you have to do something. Those who fail to plan are planning to fail. Um, and it's kind of like the same thing with prayer. I say, I always say like, people are always like, yeah, well, I mean, I don't have to pick a time to pray. I can, I'll just pray throughout the day. And I'm like, but you won't. You won't though, unless you pick a time to pray, you won't pray throughout the day. The more you actually have a scheduled time to pray, the more you're going to find yourself throughout the day, just praying on a lark. The same thing with um, family devotions and family discipleship. If you don't have a scheduled time to do family worship, which is what I prefer to the the terminology uh, devotion is a devotion is an attitude of the heart. It's not a thing you do. That's just a technical linguistic problem. Uh, so I, but hey, we, worship. We, we, we don't care about definitions around here. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but like family worship that, that actually, I think if you need to have some time of that, um, I would say the same thing with like, if a church is trying to do like, sometimes these churches will be like, Hey, we're not going to, we're going to go away from Sunday worship. We're just going to do discipleship. Well, how are you meeting the people you're discipling? How are you getting FaceTime with them? How are they 
how are they to understand that you are a dependable person to ask questions to? How are you getting to the, like, like all of these things is based on, is built upon what we do on Sunday morning. The fact that like the fact that I get text messages, like I just did from students asking me questions is because I have a weekly day to get FaceTime with them and show that I am trustworthy with the word and that I care for them, that I see them and there's face FaceTime. I think the same thing with your kids. If there's not a FaceTime where you establish the habit of we worship God in this family, we talk about God in this family, then it's not going to happen throughout the day. And so um, the thing that, but I always like, again, I always say the big thing is don't run four miles the first time you're out. Um, do something small. Like my kids are all very, a lot of my kids are very young. And so we basically just every meal will sing a, a few hymns. Um, we will read out of, we'll either do a catechism or read a little bit out of the Bible and that's it while they're eating. And so they're, they're eating, they're paying attention, they're listening and we'll talk a little bit about it. And then Meals over, put your plate in the uh, sink or in the garbage if we're being uh, lazy uh, and using paper, plastic pl uh, paper plates as we're doing normal. Normal, these days. normal hopefully. Uh, but you know, like what you know, and then you go, and then actually we've been started have we started having in my family and we started prioritizing having a private prayer in and uh, quiet time after mm -hmm. lunch, and so, but we do that every meal. And it's like, so they're, they're coming to the table anyway. Um, they have to sit there for the whole meal. So let's do some singing, let's do some songs, let's do some Bible. We, we don't do all that much though. We don't do a ton. Um, but just enough that like later on when they see something on the TV, when I, when I see a, an ad or something on TV that is immoral, I can say, Hey, wait, Hey, what is that one catechism we just read? Say, okay. So what does that mean for that? Or, or like we're talking about our our neighbors who don't know Jesus and being like, okay, so, you know, what did your catechism say about that? About how, is there a way to salvation outside of faith in Christ? No. And and what does the Bible say about even like the Spirit of God needing to regenerate their hearts when we're talking about how hard it is to convince our neighbors to become Christians? Well, we we just need to be praying for them because the spirit of God is the only one who's going to change their hearts ultimately. And so we've got something to build upon as we're talking about these things. And so having a, a set aside time is good, but, but that's also what we failed at early on with, with uh, family devotions is we try to do too much. I tried to do too much. And um, as a result, it failed. And so, be reasonable with what you can accomplish, especially with what age your kids are at, what age groups you have. Um, but start and start young. Um, I wish we had started singing a song at every, I honestly, it's gotten to the point where it's like, we, wherever we go, our kids are like, wait, are we going to sing before dinner? Yeah. Yeah. Let's sing a song for dinner. <laughs> um, even if it's just the doxology or the Gloria Patri, you know, we'll, we'll do those. And um, even at my, my parents' house or her or my wife's parents' house and, and we'll just, it's its kind of just become an expectation. This is part of their life is we sing, we pray, we read the Bible. And that's all that is, that's all there is elements wise that is necessary for worship. Sing, pray, read the Bible. And if you're not a very good singer and if your wife needs to lead it, that's fine. If you're, you're you know, like I get part of being a leader is also sometimes delegating responsibilities. And if your wife's a better speak, a better singer than you are, then do that. 
Um, if your wife reads better than you do, then have her read the Bible and you just comment on it and you teach about it or something, you know, what, whatever, you, you know, it, yes, I believe that men should be leading the house and they should be leading the family worship whenever they can, whenever they're there. Um, but you can delegate the meals that you're not there. I'm not there for lunch. So my wife takes care of it. And so I tell, but I tell her what I want to happen. I tell her that I want catechisms to be a priority and I want, um, and I'm, and I want the story of the Bible to be a priority more than digging into certain texts. Like I, I want them to have a, a broad picture of the Bible and I, in both senses, um, what it teaches, which is what catechisms do. And in the, the broad story, which is what children's Bibles do. Um, at really good. In fact, I think more, more adult Christians need to be reading children's Bibles. Um, good children's Bibles. There's some ones that I don't like, but, um, yeah, I think, I think that's, it's fine to delegate. If you're not a singer, your wife is, if neither of you are singers, then it's true that the Bible does say, make a joyful noise to the Lord and, uh, not a beautiful one, <laughs> the joyful one. It's definitely one that I always put in my back pocket. So right. on, especially on Sundays, uh, after I've worked 12 <laughs> hours, Hey, you uh, know, there's this one guy and it's, it's not a joke. It's actually a real thing that a lot of us, um, some of us on the music team is we're like, there's a guy in our church named Greg who cannot carry a tune in a bucket, but he is joyful as all get out. And so we're like that. He is probably the most beautiful singer in our church because he is like, he <laughs> loves the Lord and it shows in the way he sings. And it doesn't matter that it's the same note held all the way through. <laughs> it's beautiful. And so, yeah. And, well, and two, that, that, that's one that I tell people when, uh, when we talk uh, ecclesiastical um, on, you know, how do I find a good church? I go, uh, you know, check the church website, check the doctoral statements, but go there yeah. and see if the men sing. And I think that tells you a lot yeah. more than... Yeah. Children's programs, or uh, how much uh, the no. collection is on on the back, but if the men are singing, I've I've noticed is is are the places that I feel yeah. the most home at as far as what a church is supposed yeah. to feel like. Yeah, don't 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 suck don't be a sucker for the the programs, the children's programs and the youth programs. If they are focused on, I'll even go broad a little bit broader than what you're saying. If they're focused on the men, then that's a solid church. If they have a solid men's ministry, even if it's not like, if, even if it's just like a prayer breakfast once a month, but you're like, it looks like, like the men in this church are serious and growing. That's a good church. And that's going to be a church that's going to sustain you long-term. Won't yeah. be a flash in the pan. It's going to be long-term beneficial discipleship. Well, what we did was we covered broad and we narrowed. Look that's at right. that. Look at that. We, we narrowed. That's right. Uh, and I'm going to bring bring us uh, back to, to something that we can all agree on. That's, of course, Lord of the Rings. And right. we can say that the, 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 the story of the church is one made up of people that we hear the stories about, mm. but ultimately is made up by people you never know. And it's so many uh, non-serious, non-important moments yeah. that make up the 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 culmination of god acting out the plan of salvation through the history of of the church for the past two thousand years and and you know i'm i'm not including old testament just to to have a, a bifurcation point on the cross but uh but that 
when uh, recently I was reading Hobbit with, with my oldest for the second time because I started too young because I wanted to read it and realized that that was a, a, a bad mistake. But one of the things that she got out of it that uh, was unprompted was how much uh, prominence uh, uh, Bilbo plays in The Hobbit, obviously called The Hobbit, but a lot of the story, uh, he, he's just kind of like, other than a few things, he just kind of bumbles along and he's, he's not really important, especially for the last part of it, where like there, there's a, there's a war that, uh, uh, starts and stops. Uh, he, he has almost nothing to do with it, but he's also vitally important in that. And you can't yeah. tell, you can't tell, okay, if, if he wasn't here, if he was here, what, what does that mean? Well, he's just going to go back to the Shire and, and be an important person there, but try not to be an important person. I think uh, there's a lot of truth in, 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 in there for how we should view history because uh, we, we tend to focus on, we tend to focus on the wars, we tend to focus on the presidents, we tend to focus on the, the heroes of the, the, the nation, and we do that in church history as well. But there's so much that involves no-name people doing nothing of importance other than exactly what God told us to do. And that's what moves us uh, through time. Uh, and hopefully with uh, the proper understanding, but the sheep will be called and the, the goats will be called as well and then departed. But we, uh, we need to not focus on the big names, but focus on yes. our own, our own path, our own, yes. our own, uh, illuminated gospel, the word, uh, uh illuminating the path uh, before us. And we'll realize, uh, probably at the end of time, exactly more so how we impacted all the people, um, behind us who yeah. followed in that, in that path of light. So, yep. uh, we started with, with everything and we got to yeah. the individual and then we'll back out again. So uh, ultimately we want to, of course, always point back to God. He's the ultimate mover. He's, he's the one who knows all things, uh, is everywhere, sustains all things, brings about salvation to all people. Uh, uh, we're, we're faithful in carrying out that message, uh, but we're unimportant, but we're also very important yeah. in, in that carrying out. So, And, and I think, if I I want to make a case for optimism too, uh, whenever I can, to be like there's um, there's a there's a sense of defeatism I think in a lot of conservative Christians. Um, you know, I was at a I got to speak at a church camp just last week, and and um, the the theme of the week seemed to be like, man, everything just kind of sucks. And I, and and I got to the point. And my last message was was I was going to talk about um, that great commission. Uh, the the Great Commission and going tell the world. And I was like, I had to rewrite my message a little bit because I was like, you know what? Everyone knows go into the world and make disciples of all nations. They know this one. They've heard it every single talk, every single time they've come to camp. And so I talked about it a little bit. Be like, okay, you need to go tell friends about the gospel. But then I was like, hey, I want to highlight one, like three really important things from this passage that usually gets passed over. One, the person talking to them is a guy who three days before was dead. Like, this is a guy who died. 
Like, it doesn't get more bleak than that. As far as messianic calls go, that's a pretty massive failure <laughs> to end up crucified and killed. This is a guy talking to them, and he is up walking around talking to them. He is giving them a commission. He's a guy who died, and he got up again. Like, if you think that everything could not get... Like, if you think everything is so black that it could not possibly get better... The guy who we're following died and then he got up again. Like this is a religion of the impossible. That's what we do. That's what Christianity does is we do the impossible. Second thing, when he comes to them, the first thing he says to them is not go make disciples of all nations. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You go. Why? You go. Why? Because he has all authority. Jesus does not become Lord. We don't make him Lord. We don't hope he'll become Lord. We don't cross our fingers that maybe he'll come into Lordship. He is Lord. (laughs) And he's Lord now in the dark time. And he is still taking this world. He is still leading this world to its glorious conclusion. And so, uh, and, and third, that it ends with, and behold, I am with you always the end of the age that we don't go alone in this world. We are never alone. The darkness that we walk in, we walk in with the light of the world within us. And so to jump on a Tolkien quote, cause you started it. Uh, Frodo says, I wish it had not, I wish it need not have happened in my time. So do I said Gandalf. And so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us could be that Christianity and the United States is going to fall. What are we going to do? We were given this time, American Christians in this time, in this place, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to hide away in our holes or are we going to go with the confidence of those who are following a resurrected Lord? who is with us everywhere we go. Go be conquerors. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got to say. Anarchist Bible study uh, <laughs> is linked below. That's right. The messages for the, uh, the state of theology will be linked below as well. Cavesacross.com for the episode uh, with all the links to all the books mentioned. Uh, I don't think I have to link Lord of the Rings, but I'm, I'm sure we can find it. Uh, next week, we'll probably resume uh, our 10th book that uh, that uh, it has been announced last week or the week before, because it's probably episode two of this one, because Josh talks a lot. Uh, the, true, the fact that true. we got two episodes only out of it was, is the miracle of the night. <laughs> Josh, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, thanks for having me, brother. Where, where, where can we find your amazing uh, Twitter? What's what's the handle there? <laughs> At Ioancap, I O W A N C A P. He's he's one of uh, six people that I that I hit the bell on so that I can always <laughs> like his stuff. So I can be one of three people that will oh, always like his it. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that, Josh. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time with uh, my better half, uh, Tony. <laughs>